Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled Love is as Strong as Death from Song of Solomon, Chapter 6, Verse 8. I am Pastor John welcoming all our returning international audience. We also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Last week, in our episode, All Shall Know That You Are My Disciples, we learned of our new commandment found in John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35. An explanation of, quote, new, end quote, when Jesus said, I give you a new commandment, comes also from Barnes' New Testament notes. It reads, Quoting, it was called new not because there was no command before which required men to love their fellow men, for one great precept of the law was that they should love their neighbor as themselves, but it was new because it had never before been made that by which any class or body of men had been known and distinguished. End quote. In this episode, we will examine how love is considered to be as strong as death. What love could be so strong? Could it be that love is so powerful it really is as strong as death? Simply, nothing more, nothing less. Is it the same love by which we are saved? Furthermore, if this love is that strong, How do we know we have it? After all, do you feel a love like that? So strong, it distinguishes itself unlike any other love you feel? Let's find out if such a love even exists. The Beloved to Her Lover Set me like a cylinder seal over your heart, like a signet on your arm. For love is as strong as death, Passion is as unrelenting as Sheol. Its flames burst forth. It is a blazing flame. Surging waters cannot quench love. Flood waters cannot overflow it. If someone were to offer all his possessions to buy love, the offer would be utterly despised. Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verses 6 through 7. We would note, that this is romantic verse and not Bible verse as such, even though it is in the Bible. Yes, we should note that this is romantic verse and not Bible verse as such. Yes, it is Bible verse, but with a different flow and context. This is comments identified by the opening five words and semicolon. This passage first quoted, Acts chapter 21, verse 13, Romans chapter 8, verses 35 through 39, and Revelation chapter 12, 
verse 11, in commentary. Now let's look at these three passages of Scripture as they are written in the Bible. Then Peter replied, What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be tied up, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Acts 21, verse 13. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will trouble, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, For your sake we encounter death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No! In all these things we have complete victory through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor heavenly rulers, nor things that are present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans chapter 8, verses 35 through 39. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, The salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the ruling authority of his Christ have now come, because the accuser of our brothers and sisters, the one who accuses them day and night before our God, has been thrown down. But they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Revelation chapter 12, verses 10 through 11. I find it interesting that the first passage and the last passage speak of dying. The middle passage speaks more of love alone and resolves it quite definitively. However, death is mentioned in a comparative way in Romans chapter 8. So, why surround it with death? Until the tribulation period begins, we have options. Yet, even in the tribulation, we have a way out into heaven. It will not last very long at all. Not the best option, while options do exist, but nonetheless an option. It is far better if we receive God now rather than later. However, let's see how these New Testament passages give clarity and understanding to Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verses 6 through 7. Notice what Romans chapter 8, verse 37 says. No, in all these things we have complete victory through him who loved us. This sentence ends with an exclamation point. Romans chapter 8, verses 35 through 36 speaks of a defeatist attitude. But, verse 37 starts with, No! exclamation point. It then says, In all these things we have complete victory 
through him who loved us. Verse 37 has no greater proclamation as it says, We have complete victory. Not some stage one or stage two, but every bit of that victory here and now, as well as for our life after death in this present life. Notice Acts 21, verse 13, and Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, which is our proper quote. I added verse 10 to make better sense of what is being said, but look at Acts chapter 21, verse 13, and Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. Then Paul replied, What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be tied up, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. But they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Paul is obviously on the same page as Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, long, long, long before Revelation chapter 12, verse 11 was even written. Why is that? Paul has reached a place in his love of Christ where life is fine. However, death is fine equally as well, given it is only a transformation from one life into another, of which is a very excellent place to live forever. Commentary then said, This their love unto death flows from his, capital H, to be clear, that is, his with a capital H. I want that to be very clear. John testified about him and shouted out, This one was the one about whom I said, He who comes after me is greater than I am because he existed before me. John chapter 1 verse 15. Obviously, that can only be Jesus. Commentary on this passage is quite clear and simple to understand. Speaking by the prophets and warning your fathers to repent and return to God, as I now warn you, for he was before me, he was from eternity, and from him I have derived both my being and my ministry. From Adam Clark's 1810-1825 Commentary and Critical Notes on the Bible. We also read the other verse quoted, No one has greater love than this, that one lays down his life for his friends. John chapter 15 verse 13 This verse speaks of Jesus. Its shared commentary reads, No higher expression of love could be given. Life is the most valuable object we possess, and when a man is willing to lay that down for his friends or his country, 
It shows the utmost extent of love. Even this love for friends has been rarely witnessed. A very few cases, like that of Damien and Pythias, have occurred when a man was willing to save the life of his friend by giving his own. It greatly enhances the love of Christ that while the instances of those who have been willing to die for friends have been so rare, he was willing to die for enemies, bitter foes, who rejected his reign, persecuted him, reviled him, scorned him, and sought his life. It also shows us the extent of his love that he gave himself up, not to common sufferings, but to the most bitter, painful, and protracted sorrows, not for himself, not for friends, but for a thoughtless and unbelieving world. From Barnes' New Testament Notes So how did we get all this way from Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verses 6 through 7? It almost seems to be a totally different story than these reference verses. I can tell you, without exception, this is what commentary gives you on these two Old Testament verses. So if you are still tracking this study, we are in a good place. That is because Song of Solomon chapter 8 verses 6 through 7 can be said of Jesus. We will see this as we look deeper. Implying approaching absence of the bridegroom. Seal, having her name and likeness engraven on it. His holy priesthood, also in heaven. His heart, there answering to thine heart, here, and two shoulders, to arm. But the Holy Ghost, as in Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 5, she was leaning on him, that is, her arm and his arm, her head on his bosom. So she prays now that before they part, her impression may be engraven both on his heart and his arm, answering to his love and his power. From the New John Gill's Exposition of the Entire Bible. In Green's literal translation, our passage reads more clearly, Set me as a seal on your heart, as a seal on your arm. For love is strong as death, jealously is cruel as shoal. Its flames are flames of fire, a flame of Jehovah. Many waters cannot quench love nor would the rivers overflow it. If a man would give all the wealth of his house for love, they surely would despise him. Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verses 6 through 7. In verse 6, it should be noted that the word, quote, your, end quote, is capitalized. It thus means Set me as a seal on the heart of the arm of my Savior. The Savior is your. 
The problem is, if you read it without looking deeper, it reads more like a nice love story between two human beings. It is not. It is about the intense love between us and our Jesus. How intense that love should be. How intense it is not. Certainly, among those of us who are really sold out to Christ, it is not as bad as it sounds, but it still is not good because we are disillusioned to how and what it really is. However, it still can be much better than it presently is. We all fall way short of where we are supposed to be in our love to our Savior. Commentary reads, Set me as a seal upon thine heart, as a seal upon thine arm. These are still the words of the church, speaking to Christ as she walked along with him, as the affixes in the Hebrew text show, in which she desires to have a fixed abiding place in his heart, to continue firmly in his love, and to have further manifestations of it, to be always remembered and supported by him, to be ever on his mind, and constantly under his care and protection, and to have a full assurance of interest in his love and in his power, which is sealing work of his spirit. The allusion seems to be to the high priest, a type of Christ, who had the names of the children of Israel engraved on precious stones and bore by him on his shoulders and on his heart for a memorable before the Lord continually, or to the names of persons engraved on jewels wore by lovers on their arms or breasts, or to their pictures put there, not to signets or seals wore on those parts, but to the names and images of persons impressed on them. The Ethiopians understand it of something bound upon the arm, by which persons might be known as was used in their country. The church's desire that she might be affectionately loved by Christ, be deeply fixed in his heart, be ever in his view, owned and acknowledged by him, and protected by the arm of his power. Her reasons follow, for love is strong as death. That is, the love or the church to Christ which caused her to make the above requests. Death conquers all. Against it there is no standing. Such was the love of the church. It surmounted all difficulties that lay in the way of enjoying Christ. Nothing could separate it. She was conquered by it herself and could not live without him. A frown, an angry look from him, was as death unto her. Yea, 
was as death unto her, yea, she could readily part with life and suffer death for his sake. Death itself could not part her from him or separate him from her love, so that her love was stronger than death. From the New John Gill's Exposition of the Entire Bible There is some things we need to focus on in this commentary. Let's read these parts together as though they were one. The church's desire is that she might be affectionately loved by Christ, be deeply fixed in his heart, be ever in his view, owned and acknowledged by him, and protected by the arm of his power. Such was the love of the church. It surmounted all difficulties that lay in the way of enjoying Christ. Nothing could separate from it. She was conquered by it herself and could not live without him. A frown, an angry look from him, was as death unto her. Yea, she could readily part with life and suffer death for his sake. Death itself could not part her from him or separate him from her love, so that her love was stronger than death. From the New John Gill's Exposition of the Entire Bible We need to take these passages apart to see what is being said in whole. I see three parts to this. Part 1 reads, The church's desire is, that she might be affectionately loved by Christ, be deeply fixed in his heart, be ever in his view, owned and acknowledged by him, and protected by the arm of his power. In simple terms, we need to be saved. We cannot even hope to live in this place without being saved. The rest is petty and every bit as futile if we are not properly saved. This is the greatest way we can show our love for him. Also, while women will have less trouble with this concept, men will need this sort of love for our Savior as well. It will need to be for a Lord who is also effeminate. Us men still need to be deeply fixed in his heart, be ever in his view, owned and acknowledged by him, and protected by the arm of his power. As men, this is still attainable. It just looks different in how it works in our life as opposed to those who are women. This is said of the church as a single entity, neither male nor female. We need to see this from a way that better depicts what we, as men, have differently in understanding. We need to see our relationship with Christ from a point of view that is not sexist, not necessarily with intent, but sexist nonetheless. This is where women will have trouble as well, given this is a non-sexual issue. This is about what is in the heart. Only when what is in the heart 
comes out of the heart? Is it duly sexualized to promote one gender or both? So let us see what the heart really holds. We all, men and women, need to view this subject from one perspective. We both are loved as one, period, by Christ. Both men and women loving Christ and he loving us irrespective of sexual identity. It then makes perfect sense when commentary says what it is said above. Again, the church's desire is that she might be affectionately loved by Christ, be deeply fixed in his heart, be ever in his view, owned and acknowledged by him, and protected by the arm of his power. Notice commentary also. Such was the love of the church. It surmounted all difficulties that lay in the way of enjoying Christ. Is not this what Scripture said in Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verses 6 through 7? Notice what this commentary says. Such was the love of the church. There is a comma, and then commentary says, it surmounted all difficulties that lay in the way of enjoying Christ. Why is this not so in today's church? Why is it that such a love of the church does not surmount all difficulties that lay in the way of enjoying Christ? One answer is that we are all too willing to solve the issues before us ourselves. Waiting for an answer is not an option in many, many cases. We want the answer now and are not willing to wait for the right answer from God to come. So we are left to work with whatever we eventually come up with on our own. Nothing could separate from it. She was conquered by it herself and could not live without him. A frown, an angry look from him, was as death unto her. Yea, she could readily part with life and suffer death for his sake. Death itself could not part her from him, or separate him from her love, so that her love was stronger than death. These last three passages from the New John Gill's Exposition of the Entire Bible. I think that says it all. Only when we are that certain of our love for Christ and that certain of his love for us will we find our love for him and his love for us is stronger than death. With a love so strong as this, knowing it is shared by our Savior, reaching the place where it is equally shared by us to him, then we can fully trust in our eternal life. Knowing that death in this life is a release to the life in heaven where we live in our perfect body, free of all the ills that plague our existence in this life and world. It is better for us 
God's children to learn this lesson now rather than later. Even in this decaying world, we could have a far better glimpse of things to come if we could only learn this valuable lesson now. As the new John Gill's new exposition of the entire Bible said, the church's desire is that she might be affectionately loved by Christ, be deeply fixed in his heart, be ever in his view, owned and acknowledged by him, and protected by the arm of his power. Next week, we are not to use our liberty in Christ as a means for destructive use, especially destructive use alone. It is, without any doubt whatsoever, an impressive freedom. Next week, we will see how this connects to the flesh, how it can have an evil outcome even if we are saved. Play or download next week's episode titled Use Not Liberty for an Occasion to the Flesh from one of our podcast hosts or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched. Currently, an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. God bless you all. If you are visiting here for the first time, welcome and God bless you. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners and new listeners. Thank you all so much. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, How to Be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled, Introduction, About Us who we are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. For more information, check out our mobile, tablet, and desktop-compliant website. It is a subdomain hosted at site123.com. That is S-I-T-E-1-2-3 dot com. Our site link is unchurched dot site 123 dot M-E. This website is where you will find additional information about us and the podcast platforms we are in syndication with. Find direct links to all our platforms under the podcast menu item. This year, we have decided to go with making Pinecast our primary host as we move away from Podomatic. 
For more information, listen to our year-end update for 2019. Until then, we will continue to post our podcast on our current primary host, found at this short link, is.gd forward slash uppercase I K lowercase L uppercase Y X lowercase S. Our RSS feed is syndicated on many popular podcast platforms. Please use the search phrase Church of the Un Dash Churched to find us on a podcast platform like iTunes, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, or Spotify, to name a few. Note, please use the dash symbol and not the word dash when you search for us. We refresh our RSS feed with every weekly episode upload on Sundays. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh. If Podomatic has any server issues, all linked episodes on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, and Stitcher will be unavailable for the duration of the server downtime. We therefore post all episodes on our backup host, www.podcast.com. Dot com. That is podcast with an S. Again, our site address is www.podcast.com or go to anchor.fm forward slash unchurched. Now to him who is able to strengthen you, to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be glory forever. Amen. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.